For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, hello, Colts fans. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show, and please review as well. Thank you for joining me, everyone. On today's show, we talk to Dennis Ackerman of the Believe in Raiders podcast about this week's matchup, as well as Zach Hicks of Stampede Blue to talk about the possibility of Chaz Green at left tackle and the Colts' offensive issues on third down. The Colts are coming off of a scary win last week against the Texans, but even so, pretty much every game for them moving forward is a must-win. They're in a cluster of teams fighting for their division or a wildcard spot, and they have four challenging games left, so their margin for error is razor-thin right now. The Colts travel to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders this week, which is another team that's right in the AFC wildcard mix. Ahead, the Colts might be getting some good news on the injury front this week, and we take a look at this Colts-Raiders matchup from top to bottom. Before moving on, let's hear from our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. The Colts are currently 2.5-point favorites on the road, with a total point over-under of 50.5. Yet again, I like the Colts, their points, and the over. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, now for some game info. This one is on Sunday, December 13th at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. Kickoff is at 4.05, not the usual 1 o'clock. It's on CBS with Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Evan Washburn on the call. On the radio locally, it's on WFNI and WLHK with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, Lara Overton, and Bill Brooks. It's also on Sports USA Radio with Larry Kahn and Hank Bauer on the call. The referee crew this week is Cleet Blakeman's group. Cleet Blakeman's group. Cleet is in his 13th year as an NFL official. His crew is on the lower end of things when it comes to calling penalties, as they average 11.5 per game, according to RotoWire. All time, the Colts are 7-9 against the Raiders, including 1-1 one one in the playoffs. The Raiders have won two of the last three, including winning last year in Week 4 at Lucas Oil Stadium, 31-24. And the product on the field really wasn't even as close as that score would indicate. Uh, statistical leaders for Las Vegas passing is Derek Carr, 3,027 yards. Rushing is Josh Jacobs with 782 yards. Receiving is tight end Darren Waller with 742 yards. Touchdowns, Josh Jacobs leads him with nine. Tackles is Nick Kwiatkowski with 66. Sacks is Max Crosby with six and interceptions is Jeff Heath with three. Some team statistics for the Raiders. Offensively, they rank third on, uh, they're third in the league on third downs at 48.7%. They're tied for fourth in interceptions thrown with five. They're seventh on fourth down at 69.2%. They are tied for ninth in passing yards per attempt at 7.6. They're 10th in rushing at 121.2 yards per game. They are tied for 10th in sacks allowed at 21. Defensively, the Raiders are 24th against the pass at 257.1 yards per game. They're 28th in scoring at 28.9 points per game. 
28th in red zone defense, allowing 68%. And that actually jumps up to 72.3% when they're at home. They're also 29th on third downs, allowing 48.3%. They are tied for 29th in sacks with just 15. And they are second from last on fourth downs with 85.7%. Those numbers back up what we've seen from the Raiders over the last couple years. They've got an efficient quarterback in Derek Carr. They can run a little bit, but they're more reliant on the pass. Uh, They don't throw many interceptions, but they've actually got a whopping 12 fumbles lost this year. When it comes to their defense, you can go to work on them. As for the Colts, there's some milestones within reach this week. Uh, Quarterback Phillip Rivers needs one game with three-plus touchdown passes to tie Dan Marino for the sixth most such games in NFL history. Marino had 62. And Rivers also needs one game with 400-plus passing yards to tie Ben Roethlisberger for the fourth most such games in NFL history with 12. Colts receiver T.Y. Hilton needs one touchdown to pass Joseph Adai for the 10th most total touchdowns in team history at 48. And he would also tie Lenny Moore for the fifth most receiving touchdowns. Kicker Rodrigo Blankenship needs one point to pass Edron James for the third most points by a Colts rookie in franchise history. Edge had 102. And Blankenship needs three points to pass Mike Vanderjack for the second most. Uh, Vanderjack had 104. Hot Rod also needs three field goals made to tie Vanderjack for the second most field goals by a rookie in franchise history at 27. This week, the Colts also nominated quarterback Jacoby Brissett as their representative for Walter Payton Man of the Year for his work off the field. Uh, For some reason, a lot of people complain about when players speak out about social injustices and just things that are wrong in our world, and they say, why don't they do something about it? Well, number one, that's dumb, because most of them do. But Brissett especially walks the walk when he talks the talk. Uh, It's a very well-deserved award for Brissett, who has invested so much in the central Indiana community, as well as his own hometown down in Florida. Some storylines in this game. Uh, The Colts might be getting some good news on the injury front. Left tackle Anthony Costanzo was able to return to practice as a limited participant on Thursday after he's missed the last, you know, week or week and a half, week or so with a knee injury. If they get him back, that would be huge because they're also without backup left tackle Raven Clark for the remainder of the season. If Costanzo still needs more time, it'll be Chaz Green getting the start at left tackle against Las Vegas. Safety Kari Willis missed last week's game with back and quad issues, but he also returned to the practice field on Thursday. And linebacker Bobby Okariki, who has missed the last couple weeks with an ankle injury, he's been a limited participant all week. And punter Rigoberto Sanchez remains out after having a cancerous tumor removed last week. As for Raiders injuries, cornerback Damon Arnett remains out with concussion and neck injuries. Safety Jeff Heath also has not practiced this week with his own concussion. Running back Josh Jacobs returned to the field Thursday after spraining an ankle a couple weeks ago. We'll see if he's able to return to action on Sunday. Next up, to learn more about the Raiders, let's get our interview started with Dennis Ackerman, who hosts the Believe in Raiders podcast. Here you go. All right, Colts fans, I have got Dennis Ackerman here, the host of the Believe in Raiders podcast. Dennis, how are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. Uh, So we got a fun little matchup here, Colts and Raiders. uh, Very important game for both sides. Uh, How are you you seeing this one? You know, what's your confidence level from the Raiders perspective leading into it? (laughs) Well, to be honest, based on the way they played the last two weeks, even though the Raiders are at home, it's not very high. I mean, they got blown out on the road by the Falcons, 43 to six, committed five turnovers, uh, allowed five sacks, committed a season high 11 penalties and a game they had to have. And then they follow that up. They go back across the country again to play a winless New York Jets team. And basically, Jake, it takes a miracle on the final play of the game to beat the Jets. And they were very fortunate because Greg Williams, for some reason, decided to call a blitz, (laughs) brought eight defenders. And Henry Ruggs, the third, got behind the defense, hauled in a 46-yard pass. And the Raiders pull out a victory to stay in the playoff hunt. But they've got to play much better on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. And the coaching has got to be a lot better as well. 
I was actually going to ask about that last game. Uh, I'd like to preface it by saying I don't discount the Raiders because I remember what happened last year. Uh, Colts and Raiders did not go well. But, you know, like you said, kind of manhandled in Atlanta. And then a lot of people feel the Jets are the worst team in the league. And it it took a last second heave to beat them. Uh, What uh, what was the reasoning for that? Do you think what how you know, how did that game shake out? Well, the Raiders were ahead 24 to 13 midway through the third quarter, and they had a chance to take hold of that game. And what Gruden likes to do, especially in the second half, if he gets a double digit lead, he will try to go conservative. He likes to run the ball and then play good defense. Well, guess what? Josh Jacobs didn't play last week and the Raiders rushed for just 72 yards on 25 carries. So if my math is correct, Jake, that's about less than three yards a carry. Mm -hmm. So the ground game wasn't working. And the Raiders' defense is very inconsistent at best. And so when Gruden goes conservative, the ground game's not working. And then the defense, the ugly part of the defense, rears its head. It's a recipe for disaster. So an 11-point lead evaporated just like that. Uh, It was 28-24. After the Jets went on a 96-yard scoring drive, the Raiders turned it over the very next possession. Jets took advantage. They had 28-24. The Raiders went down the field, unfortunately turned it over on downs. And then the defense actually did something they hadn't done all day, and that's force a three and out. They stopped the ground game of the Jets, who rushed for over 200 yards with a couple of guys I never even heard of. I mean, Frank Gore got knocked out on the second play of the game, and they had a couple of backups in there. I didn't know who they were, and they still managed to rush for over 200 yards. So the defense did its job, and then the Jets, well, they proved why they were a winless team, the way they played those last three plays, and the Raiders got fortunate. I always say it's almost like the second miracle of the Meadowlands. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Now, looking ahead to this matchup, you know, Josh Jacobs is banged up, Jonathan Abram, Damon Arnett. I saw something today where maybe that's a little bit of a smokescreen and it's not all that serious. Uh, is, is that the vibe you're getting? Uh, is there anything to that? Well, Jacobs did come back to practice today, as did Jonathan Abram. Now, Damon Arnett, one of their starting corners, he did not practice. And another player that returned to practice, and this is probably the biggest one, is starting right tackle Trent Brown. He's played in one game this entire season, and in the season opener, he played three snaps. And the Raiders' offensive line the last couple games has been a bit leaky. They've Mm -hmm. given up seven sacks. Up until this point, Tom Cable had done a wonderful job with this offensive line because, Jake, their projected starting offensive line for this season played a total of three snaps. Mm. So it's, you know, it's kind of caught up with them. So look at if Jacobs is healthy and Jonathan Abrams healthy, that will go a long way for this football team. Because like I said, Gruden likes to be balanced. He wants 50, 50% run and 50% pass. Mm -hmm. And if that's working for him, he's very happy. Now in the last three games, the run game just has not been there. I think they're averaging right around 70 yards a game. And it took a Derek Carr effort last week against the Jets. He threw for almost 400 yards. And they still barely won. Yeah, it's probably not something you see a whole lot. So Jacobs is banged up. I saw Devontae Booker might be a little banged up. Just for the sake of argument, let's let's say they both play but are limited. What might the run game look like? Who who might be the participants? Well, I think if you can if they can do it, if those two, and then there's Jalen Richard, who's their third down back, if they can somehow at least get to the hundred yards rushing. That will help because that's going to set up play action pass. And then that's going to open things up for Carr and keep an eye on tight end Darren Waller. Uh, Absolutely. Last week, week, 13 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Jake, I I might be biased, but I think he's the second best tight end in the league behind the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. I think Waller is that good. The Raiders receiving core is not that strong. Henry Ruggs third, their first pick. He's played in just 10 games. He has just 20 receptions for the year. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has been a nice pickup. He was a free agent. They acquired him from the, uh, from the Eagles and he's probably their best wide out. And then they like to go to Hunter Renfro in his second year out of Clemson. And they like to use him on third down. So mm-hmm. if that's ground game, isn't going, it makes them a little bit one dimensional. And then as you mentioned, the Colts have a very good pass rush and the Raiders offensive line has been a little leaky the last couple of weeks. So if they don't get the ground game going, we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, one of those weapons I was kind of wondering about, Henry Ruggs, very incredibly talented receiver taken very high. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's been used all that consistently, though. Uh, is there, is there, you know, what's to that? Do, or do you expect him or did you expect him to be more, used more consistently to this point? Well, I've talked about that in some of my podcasts that I think they knew, need to do a better job of getting him more involved in the offense. I would run some jet sweeps with him. I mean, he's supposed to be the fastest guy in the NFL. Well, get him the ball in open space and let's see what he can do. Uh, I've said they need to run more screens for him as well. Get him some wide receivers screens for him. Get him going early in the offense, and then we'll see if that opens things up down the road. You know, they said, oh, just his presence out there has opened things up for other players on the field. But he was the 11th player overall taken. Mm -hmm. I want my 11th pick overall to be a little (laughs) bit more than a decoy. You know, so he's had a little bit of issues with footwork. Uh, Gruden has called him out on that. Now, you know, he does average almost 20 yards a catch. The problem is he only had 20 receptions this year. And so they definitely need more production out of him. Last week he had three receptions. He had the game-winning touchdown. But prior to that, Jake, he did not have a good game. He had one pass bounce off his hands that resulted in an interception. And then in the fourth quarter, he had a third down reception that he fumbled on. And that led to a turnover. And that led to the Jets capitalizing, scoring a touchdown and taking the lead in the fourth quarter. So I know they're trying to get him more involved, but it's just a combination of him being more productive and calling the plays for him to get him going. Yeah, you hate to see those flubs when it comes to someone that you want to see more of. Uh, Colts are kind of in a similar situation with Jonathan Taylor. The The best things in the Colts backfield seem to happen when he's back there and he's touching it, both as a, a pass catcher and runner. But, it, you know, he, he touched the ball a lot early in the season. There was a huge lull, and it hasn't really been until the last couple weeks that they've got him going again. And they traded up in the second round to get him, so – the argument's pretty similar. It's like, you know, you, you really wanted this guy, obviously let's, let's see him out there a little more um, fl- switching it over to the defensive side of the ball. Max Crosby and Eric Harris were a couple guys who terrorized the Colts in the matchup last year. Have they, have they kept that up? How are those guys performing right now? Well, Max Crosby leads the team with six sacks, but the bar set pretty low because the Raiders have just 15 as a team. <laughs> right. So, and they actually picked up three last week against Sam Darnold and it was nice. Uh, Cleef Farrell uh, last year, he was the number four overall pick. He picked up his first two sacks of the season. They were strip sacks. So the defense actually managed uh, three turnovers last week. So uh, Max is still probably their best defensive lineman. Uh, like I said, he's got the six sacks. Last year, he was uh, double digits in sacks. As far as Eric Harris, his play has really dropped off. Uh, the Raiders in the offseason signed Jeff Heath. He's been getting a lot more snaps uh, at safety along with Jonathan Abram. But last week, Heath suffered a concussion on a hit to Jets quarterback Sam Darnold at the goal line, trying to prevent him from getting in. So he left that game. He did not practice today, Jeff Heath. So if Heath can't going. Bigger part. If Heath can't go, then yeah, you'll see a lot of uh, Eric Harris. But Harris has not played to the level uh, that he did a year ago, and that's hurt the Raiders in the secondary because overall the Raiders defense is inconsistent at best. It's gotten better lately in terms of getting to the quarterback and creating turnovers, but in terms of points allowed, Jake, they're one of the bottom feeders in the NFL. Not going well. Yeah, part of that obviously is is the run game. Two weeks ago, Atlanta did all right. The Jets very uncharacteristically went off on the run game last week. Is that something you kind of identify as a fundamental issue with that defense, or are they just a little like banged up and they're struggling a little bit? What's what's the explanation on that? You know, it's kind of puzzling because even though the defense hasn't been that great, they've actually been halfway decent against the run. Now, they did lose Malik Collins. Uh, They're starting nose tackle for a couple more games. He was placed on IR. He missed the Atlanta game. He missed the Jets game. I don't know if he's that big of a difference. The linebackers did not play well against the Jets. They were absolutely horrendous. I said that in my podcast. They were MIA. Corey Littleton, they signed him in the offseason from the Rams. And he's been a big disappointment. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski in the middle 
Uh, they signed him as a free agent as well, former Chicago Bear. He's played very well of late. And then they have another linebacker, Nicholas Morrow. Um, he took over for Littleton after Littleton missed a few games because of coronavirus. And Morrow's played well. Uh, last week, not so much, but he picked up a sack. So it'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back uh, against the run this week. Uh, take it on the Colts. Yeah, it sounds like this is two teams that are hungry to, to keep winning and uh, just kind of looking for some consistency. So this will be a fun one to watch in Las Vegas. Uh, Dennis, that is all I've got for you today, man. I appreciate you joining me. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody go ahead and, and follow Dennis here. He's the host of the Believe in Raiders podcast. You can get him on Twitter at Ackerman underscore Dennis. A big thank you once again to Dennis for his time. I also made an appearance on his show this week, so make sure you check out our other conversation on his Twitter at Ackerman underscore Dennis. Offensively for the Colts this week, I'd love to see them establish the run early this time around. It was working for them last week, but they didn't really commit to it until the fourth quarter. They don't have to do that this week, although Las Vegas' secondary is banged up. I think Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines could be in for a big day as the Raiders have allowed an average of 146.3 yards per game on the ground the last three weeks. And that includes 206 to a Jets team that had zero run game coming into it last week. Don't be surprised if T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman Jr. continue their big performances either. Defensively, focusing on the Colts defense specifically, I think they just need to play their game, which is wreak havoc up front with the defensive line and then let the linebackers feed off of that. The Raiders aren't exceptional at any one thing offensively, so there's nothing major that the Colts need to adjust themselves for. Rookie receiver Henry Ruggs has roadrunner speed, but he's really not been featured that much in their offense yet. And unlike Greg Williams, now former unit with the Jets, Matt Eberflus's Colts defense is built to not get burned downfield. Aside from Ruggs, the Colts will need to mostly be cognizant of Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. If Jacobs plays, he won't be at 100%, but he's a physical runner who can catch the ball. Waller popped off for 200 yards and a pair of touchdowns last week and is easily one of the league's best tight ends. Next, it's time to get into our second interview of the show with our boy Zach Hicks from Stampede Blue. I'll mention that when we spoke, there was less optimism about Anthony Costanzo's playing status at the time, but it still bears mentioning if he can't give it a go on Sunday. Here's our chat. All right, Colts fans, I've got our boy Zach Hicks here with us, uh, here to talk about some not-so-fun topics, but you know what? He's a film guy, so he sees it, and he knows uh, he knows what ails them sometimes. How are you doing tonight, brother? Pretty good. I'm glad you brought me on for the very cynical and uh, harsh <laughs> podcast <laughs> talk yeah. about the, the flaws here with the Colts. Yeah, I got I got to bring you on to talk about what sucks. <laughs> all I'm right done. I'm, done. I'm ready <laughs> absolutely yeah all right so first topic and it's I told I so I explained this to you why why I wanted you on for it but so people who listen to my show regularly know pretty much every postgame show I have to sit here and talk about the Colts were three for 13 on third down five of 15 on third down blah, blah blah every week it's terrible numbers you know and it forces them to go for it on fourth down so much you know on mm-hmm. third down that's cool you have one more opportunity on fourth down but on when you have to go for it on fourth down so much that's it so yeah the topic is they're 29th on third downs right now they're only 36.8 percent that's that's different because we're used to seeing Frank Reich efficient in those money areas, third down and red zone, and they're not doing well in either category this year, really. From what you've seen, why are the Colts so low on third downs? I mean, the, the only teams that are worse are the Bengals, Jets, and Bears, and that's three really bad offenses. Yeah. Um I think it's a lot of reasons. Uh, there's not really one thing I can particular point at, but I will say early in, in the season, that was definitely a number where I expected there to be a positive regression. You know, I expected the Colts to to be up at least around league average by the time we got to this point in the season uh, because it was an area where Frank Reich and his offenses, whether it was Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett, was consistent. 
consistently around the top of the league or even even a middling team league. I think last year they were like a middling team on third down, even with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, but I do think there's there's a multitude of reasons. It's not just one thing you can point at. Uh, you know, some things I would point out would be like those second and long runs and setting up those third and long situations. I know that's something that we've all uh, definitely hyped about or harped on and got got uh, pretty upset with uh, throughout the year with Frank Reich. Uh, I think there's been a lot of inopportune penalties that the Colts have had on on third downs and and uh, plays like that where they've had situations. Where, I mean, I, I can't really have a number off the top of my head, but I've seen multiple times where the Colts have been like third and 20, uh, third and 18, and they would just take a, a quick screen just to, you know, just to get some yards back and set up for a punt or set up even for a fourth down conversion, which they've done a lot. Uh, and that's even another thing, I think, where the Colts in a lot of situations, I'm not going to say they're not necessarily playing for that first down, uh, but they're okay with being a yard or two yards short of the first down marker uh, to set up for an easier fourth down conversion because they're so aggressive with those fourth down calls. I'm not saying it's something I agree with or even it's something that's in the plan, but you know, a lot of teams, they want to throw past the sticks on third down, right? That, that's a, that's what you're always taught. That's what you're always told as a receiver, um, as an offensive player, uh, the Colts are, are okay with uh, players being short of the sticks and fighting for those, that first down yards. And if they don't get it, they're perfectly fine with going for it on fourth and one, fourth and two. So I think there's a lot of things. Offensive line has, has regressed a little bit and you've seen, uh, a lot of situations where maybe it's obvious play calling, maybe it's offensive line struggling, but third and one has been awful for the Colts this year or third and short. And we've seen a lot of those run plays just getting blown up. Uh, but yeah, I, I really wish I could point to one thing being, you know, it's just saying like, Hey, Philip Rivers needs to be better or the receivers need to be better. It, it's really not one thing. It's just kind of a multitude of things where there's been some, some bad situations they've been in. Uh, they're okay with going for it on fourth down so much that sometimes they settle for a little bit shorter. And uh, the, the short yardage game, even with Jacoby Brissett coming in recently and, and that getting a little better with Jacoby, uh, it still hasn't been good. There's been a lot of situations where they've been stuffed on on third and short. And uh, that that's kind of inexcusable for where this line has been drafted and and where kind of what they expect. Uh, but kind of like I said, a lot of, a lot of people have said they watch film. It's not really just any in particular player. You know, you can't just say, you know, Mark Lewinsky needs to be better. It's, it feels like every play they get stuffed or every short yardage play that that's blown up, it's a different guy making one mistake. Like it's a slight mistake. And that leads to, uh, the issue. And, you know, part of me still thinks that we could see a positive regression here because I don't see a horrible process really. Um, it just seems again like just just inopportune plays and inopportune moments. Uh, we've seen really rough games when they've had a replacement left tackle in there, like Chaz Green and Raven Clark. Um, but yeah, it, it's honestly just kind of a multitude of things, and it's not. I don't again. I don't think it's an overall horrible process. I think it's just uh, you know bad moments and bad plays going wrong, or one mis mistake, one one thing like that, and it's leading to just a horrible horrible numbers i wish it could be just one thing that'd be great to just point out one thing and say they gotta fix that though yeah and i i think that's i think you bring up a good point it's it's hard to just look at one thing because it seems like it's a, something a little different each week mm -hmm. there's there's been what two or three weeks where they've just murdered themselves with penalties really yeah. like really uncharacteristic ones like they haven't you know they're, they're struggling on third down and red zone this year uh, like they never have before. Same thing with they're getting penalized like they really never have before. That that never seemed to be something that always killed them. There's that. There's, you know, the, the second and long runs, that being very predictable. And then just a lack of execution in, in certain spots. So that's it's it's I don't know. It's not baffling, I guess, because it's just something new all the time. There, there's just so many different areas you can point in. Uh, but you you kind of talked about a little bit for a second our next topic, and that <laughs> is the, the Colts' new left tackle, Chaz Green. Uh, obviously, a couple weeks ago, Anthony Costanzo goes down with a little MCL issue, and he was out last week and, you know, still not practicing this week. I, You know, as far as we know, he's probably not going to be out there against the Raiders. Uh, his replacement, LaRaven Clark, he got a lot of crap uh, the, that week. And then, you know, he goes down with an Achilles injury early last week. And it's like, wow, you know, he's not even around to be able to pick on now because now they're on their third offensive tackle, <laughs> Chaz Green. 
you know, Chaz Green had to go and play out the right side a couple weeks ago, you know, did not go great. And it went about as well as you would imagine it would go against JJ Watt last week. You know, um, they, they, the Texans chose not to keep JJ Watt on his normal kind of left side of the defense where they'd have to go against Braden Smith. They moved him over to the weak link, which made a lot of sense. So what have you seen from Chaz Green and uh, how much might you expect that to change, if at all, with him actually taking the snaps at that spot in practice this week? Yeah, so to start with Chaz Green, I know for some reason there's some people that like to defend. I, for some reason, Raven Clark gets murdered uh, by mm-hmm. by fans. Like, I'm not saying Raven Clark's good by any means. Like, he's not. Uh, but Chaz Green, for some reason, gets all the excuses where uh, – I don't. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but Chaz Green's the guy who gave up six sacks in one game to Adrian Claiborne of all people years ago. Years ago, the Cowboys. The yeah, yeah. Well, when he was with the Cowboys, filled in for one game and gave up six sacks to Adrian Claiborne. Uh, and that, that's the Chaz Green we're dealing with here. And and I'm not saying that that's going to happen this week, especially against a Raiders team who really doesn't get much pressure whatsoever. Uh, but it, it's definitely a huge concern. And and last week didn't really ease many of my concerns whatsoever. You know, like green's a big guy. He's, he's pretty strong at the point of attack. That's why uh, the run game with him in there hasn't really got too much worse. I think he's, he's a decent run blocker uh, to say something nice about him here, but overall, again, it, it just, everything in pass protection, just such a mess with him. His, his footwork is very slow and choppy. His hands were there. There was a rep against Jacob Martin, uh, who, who's, who's a good little speed rusher. He's not, anything outstanding but he's he's a pretty solid speed rusher for the Texans uh where Martin was able just to swat Green's hands and get around him quickly for a sack um in, in the fourth quarter uh there was reps like that he was getting beat by power which we saw in the J.J. Watt rush which typically you wouldn't really get on someone for getting beat by J.J. Watt but for the most part the Colts did a great job against Watt all game long it's just whenever they line him up against Green a couple of times and he was able to get some pressures uh I really do think with Chaz Green out there, the Colts are much, much weaker and susceptible to getting beat on that side. Um, and they're they're definitely going to need to help him quite a bit, I think, to to kind of mitigate that concern. I, I think it was uh, Jim Ayello wrote about it, though, uh, for Indy Star, that uh, I believe Rivers got the ball out in like 2.3 seconds this past week. And that was kind of a big uh, emphasis of the Colts offense was get that ball out of Rivers' hands quick. Uh, you know, we didn't really see too many deep shots, but almost everything was in the short intermediate range and the Colts offense was able to keep moving, at least in the first half, uh, despite having such a weak link there at the left tackle. So I think that is a way they can kind of work around it. And obviously with the emergence of kind of Jonathan Taylor in recent weeks on the ground, they can they can kind of attack short and they can and they can run the ball a little bit. But uh, it does hinder their ability to go down the field or, or run, run like longer developing plays because you either need to keep six or seven in to protect because he's not reliable enough to win those one-on-one uh, pass rush reps, or you got to get that ball out quick. Uh, so yeah, it, it hurts. And, and honestly, this isn't even me just truly bashing Chaz Green. Uh, it's more of kind of where the league is at with, with depth offensive linemen, you know, people, people will go, will crap on, on Chris Ballard for not getting a better backup, which, you know, you could say you could have drafted a guy maybe in, in on day three to, to fill that spot, but Backup tackles in the league, around the whole league. I mean, can you really name more than like three or four teams that have a decent backup tackle in this league? It's really, once once your starter goes down, it, it hurts really, really bad in, in this league. And and that's just kind of the, the, the state of the league when it comes to tackles right now. So, um, you, you know, Chaz Green is what he is. He's not, he shouldn't be a guy who's ever on the field. Uh, but he's probably the quality of most backups in the NFL right now at tackle. So uh, he's kind of what the Colts have to deal with there on that side. Um, I, I don't agree with moving Braden Smith or anything out there. Uh, if you're going to move anyone, I would say maybe move Quentin Nelson to get your best uh, five guys on the field with Danny Pinter at guard. But um, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be something that hurts the Colts going forward. And, and they're not really going to be able to take any shots down the field until Costanza comes back and can at least be solid on the side. Yeah, I mean, they, like you said, the ball was getting out quick last week, and they had a they had a lot of chunk plays. I mean, there was a little bit of yak involved in that, but Ty had several chunk plays. They got chunk plays on the ground with Jonathan Taylor. We know Naheem Hines is capable of that, um, but yeah, it's like like to your point, 
if an offensive lineman isn't playing, that's really the only way to keep them fresh and able to play at a high level is to play. So if yeah. they're a backup throwing them on the field, they're just not prepared really. It seems. Um, so, yeah. And to, you know, like you said, Raven Clark, I, you know, been, been around here since he's been drafted him and TJ green were drafted like right together and they were both considered projects, but Clark's trajectory, I guess both of them, their trajectory was studs, you know, and Clark developed into a serviceable player, but not like an every down or an every week starter level. He developed into a backup, you know? Um, So I think that's, I think that's people's thing with him. He honestly was better than, you know, I think his rookie preseason, he was just getting guys killed. And then he actually had to start at tackle with Andrew Luck back there um, his rookie year. And he actually played pretty well. So I thought that that bought him a little time. But, no, it's uh, – unfortunately, that's not even a, a, something we get to talk about the rest of the year. But, I, I, you know, maybe Anthony Costanza will be back in the next week or two, and this will all just kind of be a moot point. But – yeah, That's, uh, it's, it's just kind of what it is, again, with backups. Like, mm-hmm. Raven Clark, shit on him as much as you want or, or crap on him as much as you want. But, you know, backup tackles are awful. <laughs> right, what else What else is there to go get? Like, you just kind of have to deal with it and hope. hopefully your team's coaching staff can build a good plan to get around it, you know? Yeah, like, maybe you could – I think Cordy Glenn's out there, but he hasn't played all year. There's a reason why nobody signed him, I'm assuming at least, why nobody signed him yet. Uh, maybe he's just not too interested in playing football right now. And besides that, your best options are maybe picking someone off someone else's practice squad. You know, like like the, I think the Washington has Timon Paris, who played a couple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prince Tegawanagu is on the Eagles practice squad. But, again, he went undrafted too. Like, these are just undrafted guys that – probably aren't going to come in and be a great impact you know it's just Trey Adams has been mentioned but he's a rookie undrafted you know yeah yeah exactly and I think he ran like a 5 7 40 like how athletic is he gonna be (laughs) at your left tackle you know like like again there's issues with all these guys backup like offensive line I think it's easier to adjust for a backup interior lineman Mm -hmm. you know guy like when Danny Pinter was in at center for the most part he was really good like I thought he had a really good first start uh, but for every little mistake he made, you know, getting bull rushed or uh, maybe coming out of the middle a little too quickly and, and like helping out with the right guard when the left guard needed more help, you know, stuff like that, little things that he was, you know, making mistakes on. You can kind of hide that a little bit because you have two guys right next yeah, to him. You're in less and, isolation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Your your tackles, though, they're always on isolation. It's always going to be a little bit more more tricky, uh, regardless of his right tackle, or left tackle. There's not really that difference anymore in a right tackle or left tackle, uh, except, you know, quarterback can see one a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when the tackle goes down, it's going to be tough for your offense regardless. I mean, in, unless you're – I think Buffalo has quite a few tackles there that that are all around the same level. They have like three or four tackles. Mm-hmm. There really isn't many that have that that flexibility. Uh, so, yeah, it really comes down to your offense is going to be hindered when one of your tackles is out. You just got to hope they can play – average football you know if Chaz Green comes out this week and plays average football that that's a huge win you know if he if, mm-hmm. if he gives up like two or three quarterback hits that's that's a win you know like that oh absolutely yeah that's what it is so uh yeah the Colts were gonna be hurt the second that Costanza went down and and they just kind of have to uh you know ride out this storm here for however long he's out yeah hopefully this discussion only lasts another week or two anyways uh but yeah that's all i got for you man had to had to bring you in here to talk about the gunk that the colts are going through but you know hopefully hopefully it's a win after this they uh they were able to survive the texans last week so maybe we're talking about a a win this time yeah well this is a playoff game this is a playoff game for the colts because it is uh the colts right now i was currently writing about it actually before we got on this call but um you know, the Colts right now are competing with the Browns, Ravens, um, who was the other ones? Uh, Dolphins and Raiders now for that the last for the three wild card spots. So five teams yeah. for three spots. And the Colts have losing head to head against two of them. Uh, so they can't afford to drop this one and have another losing head to head against one of these teams. Uh, so, yeah, this is the playoff game for the Colts. And, and if they lose this, the road to the playoffs is extremely tough. 
Uh, so they definitely got to win this one here or, or they could be on the outside looking in. Absolutely. I was uh, my other guest for for this show, Dennis Ackerman. He covers the uh, the Raiders. We were just talking before you and I were on there. It's a playoff game for the Raiders. It's a playoff game for the Colts because the Colts next four opponents, there's cause for concern with all four. Yeah. You you know, the Jaguars, that's the that's the Jaguars only win. Yeah. Uh, they they lose to the Texans or the or the Raiders. Guess who's up next? The Steelers. Like mm-hmm. that, their margin for error is incredibly slim. And like you said, they're in a they're in a cluster with a bunch of similar teams. You know, Cleveland beat them. You know, they have the tiebreaker. Baltimore has the tiebreaker. Uh, the Titans are are a quality team who may very well still take the South. So, yeah the the road the road is not easy. Yeah. But that is all I've got for you, Zach. Um, Colts fans, I'm sure you're already, if you're following me, you're following him. But on Twitter, it's at Zach Hicks, too. Thanks again for joining us, man. Yeah, anytime, man. Uh, glad to talk about uh shitty aspect of this Colts team. <laughs> uh, especially if they miss the playoffs, we could do this all the time. Oh, season. God, dude. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you on a good topic next time. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. All right. Thanks again so much to Zach for his time popping in with us and discussing some of the less fun topics surrounding the Colts at the moment. Uh, This week's Four Horsemen gives me more to choose from because the Colts may not be quite as banged up as they have been in the past couple weeks. Again, these are four guys who I feel could be the most important against the Raiders. Starting with right tackle Braden Smith. Uh, For starters, we don't know who the Colts' left tackle will be. So having their established right tackle playing at a high level will be important, and he's done that in recent weeks. Uh, he's also going to be drawing the assignment of Max Crosby pretty often, and he terrorized the Colts in that Week 4 matchup last year. Crosby currently leads the Raiders with six sacks. Having your most dependable tackle at the moment against him, that's, that's going to be big. Next up is T.Y. Hilton. We've seen these past two weeks that there's just something different about when Hilton plays and has a big game compared to any other Colts receiver. He can make the most improbable plays happen, and it's nearly impossible for a defense to stop him once he really gets going. He's got serious momentum right now, and that can be huge against the Raiders. Next up is DeForest Buckner. He returned to the field last week with a vengeance, racking up a pair of sacks. Derek Carr doesn't make a lot of critical mistakes, so perhaps Buckner's interior pressure can hurry up Carr's internal clock a little bit and force him into some decisions that he wouldn't normally make. Last is Darius Leonard. Regardless of if Josh Jacobs plays or not, Darren Waller is a problem that Leonard may be primarily tasked with solving. Look for Leonard to ensure that these guys don't wreck the Colts defense. And now we're slowing it down a little bit for the fantasy portion of the show. The guys I highlighted this week in my allcolts.com fantasy preview were quarterback Phillip Rivers, running backs Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and receiver T.Y. Hilton. Rivers has been on a roll lately, throwing for at least 285 yards in each of the last four games and reaching a passer rating of at least 103 of those four. He's also thrown for multiple touchdowns in each of his last three games. Both Taylor and Hines contribute as runners and pass catchers as they've combined to average 24.3 touches or 123.5 yards from scrimmage per game and combining to score 12 touchdowns. The Colts seem to be trusting Taylor a bit more as the lead back over the past couple weeks as he's combined for 42 touches for 249 yards, which is a 5.9 average, and a touchdown in that time. Hines has also been a constant presence in the backfield, even getting some carries at peculiar times that maybe we don't all agree with. The Raiders have allowed nine opposing running backs to reach 15 fantasy points in a game this year, and three pairs of running backs, like Taylor and Hines, on the same team to hit at least 10. Over the last two weeks, Rivers and Hilton have finally begun connecting as Hilton has caught 12 of 16 targets for 191 yards and two touchdowns. Now, across the league, some of the guys have got listed as booms who might outperform their current rankings. Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady versus the Vikings, Bucks running back Ronald Jones versus the Vikings, 
and Titans wide receiver Corey Davis versus the Jaguars. Now my busts, who are guys who might underperform their ranking this week, quarterback Josh Allen versus the Steelers, Vikings running back Dalvin Cook versus the Bucks, and Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown versus the Jaguars. Guys I'm adding on the waiver wire this week who are owned in 40% of less of Yahoo leagues, Texans wide receiver Kiki QT, Raiders wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, Jets running back Ty Johnson, Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick, and Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. And now it's time to answer the questions that you guys ask me on social media this week. Remember, any of you can ask, just send something to us on Twitter or Facebook at Believe in Colts or email at Believe in Colts at gmail.com. First up is from Andrew Miller. He said, do you think Paris Campbell's health for next season will have an impact on re-signing T.Y. Hilton? Also, has Indy abandoned the run the damn ball philosophy? They've thrown most passes than rushing and more passes than rushing attempts in four of the past six games. Uh, for the first part, I'd say yes, maybe a little bit. But, you know, that's because they need a top receiver to play because they can't really count on Campbell. So they need someone of a higher caliber. However, I think they were always going to re-sign Hilton as long as he looked like himself this season. It's taken a while, but these past couple games have showed us that he's the same old T.Y. The second part, I think in theory they'd like to run, they'd like to run the ball more, but they don't have to be chained to that philosophy anymore. Having certain quarterbacks like Jacoby Brissett means you have to have a strong run game to support them and make your offense work. However, having Rivers, on the other hand, allows you to have those games where you do throw it 45 times and still win. They're more flexible with what they can do on offense now. The next question is from Sam Sinclair. He said, who do you think the Colts' number one concern is versus the Raiders' pass offense? Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, or Darren Waller? All of them present matchup problems. Uh, I would say it's Waller. Uh, neither Ruggs or Aguilar are dominant, although either could pop off for a big game at any time. I trust the Colts' defensive backs over them, and the Colts' cover two defense is better suited to stop big downfield shots that those two guys could provide. Waller, however, can be a mismatch nightmare if you get the wrong guys covering him. He can make great athletic plays and just picks up yards after the catch. You really don't see a lot of tight ends doing what he does outside of like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. The next one is from Mario V. Borelli. So longtime Colts fan from tiny, I'm going to say it's Ontario, Canada or California. <laughs> You'll have to clarify that one for me, bud. Uh, love the Colts and everything you guys do. Thank you. First question, why do the Colts keep using Naheem Hines for fourth and short? It drives me nuts to see this. I get the element of surprise, but Jonathan Taylor needs to be featured in my opinion. He really showed up in Houston. And then his second question, he says, again, like I said last week, I think Taylor needs to be utilized more and make this a smash mouth game. The Raiders are another soft run defense. Hopefully we come out, establish the run, and hold a lead going into halftime. Thoughts on Taylor? Well, first, thank you for enjoying the show, Mario. Uh, I don't have a good answer for the Naheem Hines thing because I'm in the exact same boat as you. I know they believe in Hines and, and he can do some outstanding things, but he doesn't have to be the answer as a short yardage back as well. I know they believe in all three backs equally, but they don't all have the same skill sets. Taylor runs with more violence, which you need in the trenches, and Jordan Wilkins has excellent vision and balance. Not to mention they both are significantly bigger than Hines is. Let's not let that take away from what Hines does well because I know we all love him, but that doesn't mean he's best suited for every situation. Second, and Forged in Blue asked pretty much the same thing about Taylor. Uh, I would love for them to establish him early. I'm hoping last week's fourth quarter was a wake-up call. I think we're all screaming for him to be a more consistently featured part of the offense. They're 5-1 and one in games where he has at least 15 touches, and in their four losses, he touched the ball an average of 12 times. One of those was against the Ravens when he had like six carries. Uh, the fourth loss that they had was the game that he missed a couple weeks ago against the Titans. So feeding him the ball seems to coincide with him winning so far. Uh, last question is from Anthony Roberts. He said, my one and only question, will Andrew Luck take another snap in the NFL? Uh, I know this was still kind of heartbreaking for a lot of fans, 
Uh, but I'd say no for now. You know, he's a retired NFL player, and there's really been no notable buzz about him returning. He's a smart guy that doesn't need football to survive. He has a wife and a young kid and really all the money that he could ever need. I'm sure he does still love football because he was kind of forced to walk away from it early, but I don't think that he misses its effect on his body. Thanks again for your questions this week, guys. For our final segment of the show, I'll go ahead and give you guys my Week 14 NFL picks. Uh, So I had the Rams over the Patriots. We got that one. I've also got the Titans over the Jaguars, Buccaneers over Vikings, Panthers over Broncos, Cowboys over Bengals, Chiefs over Dolphins, Saints over Eagles, Texans over Bears, Packers over Lions, Colts over Raiders, Seahawks over Jets, Falcons over Chargers, Washington over 49ers, Bills over Steelers, Browns over Ravens, and Cardinals over the Giants. That is all for today's show, my friends. Stay tuned throughout next week or so because we have some exciting stuff ahead uh, to let you guys know about. Thanks for being with me as always. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and really wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. And me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. My written work can be found on Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at Believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on the show specifically, just shoot me an email. You'll hear from us again after Sunday's game as we break down all the action. Stay safe and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.